Five, four, three, two, one. Thunderbirds are go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss the October 1975, number 95 issue, 95th issue of the all-new, all-different X-Men. Oh, yeah. Not a hoax, not a dream. This issue in X-Men Dies, says the cover. And it also says you must read War Hunt. And uh, we got Storm, and we got Colossus, and we got, uh, what was that guy's name? Thunderbird. Thunderbird. And they're fighting the Animen, which looks like a Catman. Oh, Nightcrawler's in the background fighting Mr. Frog. Or no, what's his name? Uh, Frogger. Or Croaker. Croaker? Yeah. Oh, I don't even remember and, their names. Uh, and and the, the gorilla is Gort. And um, Who's the little, who's the bug girl? Uh, Dragonfly. And then. That was rough. And then the cat person in the foreground? That's Catman. Catman. Sweet. Yeah, they're, they're pretty terrible names. As I recall, uh, the Animen were featured in the character guidebook uh, of the Marvel superheroes at role-playing game. The guidebook was entitled Children of the Atom, which just came to me the other day. That's such a cool name, I thought. Children of the Atom, yes. yes. I mean, it's obviously it's directly from the pages of the X Men, but still, just on its but own. Yeah. But anyways, uh, the the Animen for for all of their featuredness in the X Men canon, uh, they got a whole two pages of that character guide to go through all of their bios and character powers and stuff. Wow, this must not be their only <laughs> appearance. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would think it would be based on the quality of this, but I'm pretty sure it know. is. I'm guessing maybe the TSR guys were just like dying for some content. Like, let's throw the Animen in here. But there's so much content. How could they possibly be dying for content? I don't know. Maybe they just didn't have enough X-Men villains in 1986 or whenever that thing came out. Oh, my God. They should have had plenty. <laughs> You'd think. Well, let's just jump right into this thing. Uh, co-plotting for us is Len Wein. But writing is Chris Claremont, and we've got Dave Cockrum right, or drawing for us. Sam Granger is inking, and Karen Mantlow lettering. Oh, with Petra Goldberg coloring. And who's this Marv Wolfman guy? Oh yeah, this is uh, this is uh, well, Marv Wolfman was the uh, editor of the black and white versions of Marvel Comics because they were trying to do a black and white line. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was like monster magazines and stuff like that. Sure. How funny that his name is Marv Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Lynn Ween basically felt like the job was too difficult. And uh, I guess Lynn Ween and Marv Wolfman were buddies. And uh, Lynn Ween just wanted to write. How long was Lynn Ween the editor, though? Well, not very long. I think for a year, but okay. I'm, not, I'm not. It could be less than that. All right. I'm still not even quite sure what an editor does. Is it just the person that keeps all the storylines intact and keeps things paced right? or 
Well, the editor for that's listed in this is the kind of the head editor who organizes all the other editors, and then he also does editing, which is, you know, uh, corrects grammar and mm. um, and then he's also kind of the head keep keeps all the stories, you know, uh, kind of manages the storytelling, I suppose. Okay, well, that makes sense. He says, he says that's that we can't do that or we can do that or something like that. You can't use that character; they're dead. Right. That that won't stop me. Just watch. Are you sure you want to have Cyclops doing some smack in this? It may not. It may not fly. That may not translate well. Well, all right. Speaking of Cyclops, uh, he and the rest of the X Men are in free fall because, as you'll remember from the last episode, their uh, what was their airplane called again? The X Jet. I don't know what it was called. <laughs> it was pre. It was the Blackbird. It was pre Blackbird though. It was like the Stratajet or something like that. Right, but it was it was a blackbird. Yes, it was a blackbird. Well, that was uh, it. De- was uh, shot and dematerialized around them. So, um, for whatever reason, it didn't affect their clothing. Uh, but it just uh, it affected the jet and everything that was in the jet. Uh, this issue is titled War Hunt mm-hmm. we didn't we haven't mentioned it yet, and it looks like Banshee is holding up the exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we begin our tale. A nice big splash screen. We're being told that in a few seconds they will all be dead. Well, except for Storm and Banshee, obviously, because they fly. Well, we're new to the series. We don't quite remember what all their powers are. So, Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> so, so maybe we should get a quick little refresher as we get on the next half page. Here's uh, what I remember is that Storm flies, Banshee flies, and Colossus lands really and is able to land well. Well, for some reason, uh, Cyclops has to bring the whole group together to uh, formulate the plan that you just laid out. I would like to point out that Cyclops in this first gigantic panel is wearing pirate boots. Oh, I love them. They're like these big bell-bottomy things. <laughs> They're awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised those aren't slowing his descent. <laughs> yeah, they're like parachute boots. <laughs> so, uh, in this, we get a little flashback of, uh, of Count Nefaria and his Animen and their plan. Uh, we get a nice big picture of Beast. So, I don't know if that means Beast has a cameo in this issue, but but we get a picture of him. I actually didn't notice that until just now. <laughs> and we're reminded that the ship was blown up around them. And so that's when Cyclops springs back into action and the um, omnipotent or omnipresent narrator tells us that we have 90 seconds until impact see that looks like an s to me because i I don't know i thought it was 50 seconds because it looks like an s but i i'll I'll take your word that it's 90 oh i read this issue three times and the first two times i thought it was 50 seconds but somewhere uh in here we get to 63 and oh yeah okay so it's not a six maybe it's an eight it could be an eight. Uh, I don't know. It's like very thick. It's like whoever lettered this thing lettered it with a big Sharpie. <laughs> so anyways, Cyclops' plan is for Storm and Banshee to collect a couple of X-Men and uh, bring them down to safety. And have Nightcrawler teleport to the ground. Now, what I like about this is that uh, unlike um, other storytelling in the X-Men universe, we finally, we're finally given kind of a limitation where Nightcrawler says, I can't. If I, I'm falling, and the law of conservation says that if I'm falling and I teleport to the ground, I will maintain the exact same speed, and uh, and uh, I, I will 
smash, even if I teleport like a foot above the ground. I like Cyclops' response to that. What? (laughs) He's not used to this. He's like, none of my X-Men have limitations like that. (laughs) A power that's grounded in physics? My question is this, though. Um, Okay, so Nightcrawler can teleport, right? And so Mm -hmm. if if he's falling, couldn't he teleport himself so that he were falling upward somehow? Like, couldn't he teleport himself upside down? And like goes shooting out of his little teleport hole up. And then when he reaches the apex of his arc, then teleport to the ground. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay. That just that just struck me as a thought there. Like But that would be very hard to explain in a comic book, I think. I don't know, but if I had that power, that's all I would do. Because think about how much fun <laughs> that would be. You would be in free fall and then you teleport yourself uh and then back into free fall. Oh my gosh, all day you could be doing that. I don't know if it works like portal. I suppose it's got the, those portal physics, but I don't know if his power works like that. That's the problem. No portal <laughs> to describe the physics in 1974. Right. <laughs> we understand it because he used the magic word. Okay. So anyways, uh, so we're given that law of conservation, uh, but Colossus reminds us that um, he doesn't, he, he knows how to land. As he did in giant size X-Men. Yes. Uh, and he also calls Wolverine a, a, a name. But at, at first I didn't, I thought he was like saying, take that, Wolverine. You know, like, like, ha ha. But that's <laughs> not what he's saying at all. He, no, no. In fact, he is, uh, he, it is translated to Mad Men. And I, I looked it up. Yes. And this and is. What it, what, how do you pronounce that? Безумный человек. Just like that. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, the German f- font, or not German, the Russian uh, uh, font or whatever you want to say. Which that- was not that easy to look up on Google, I have to tell you. <laughs> so if you've ever wondered how you pronounced it, that's how it was pronounced. Um, and I think there's a very good reason that they kind of drop this in, in the future, because it's probably very difficult for the letterist to do this. Well, they've actually kind of brought it back. I mean, well, and now they have like weird demon languages and Uh all sorts of weird font things. I think maybe it's easier to do nowadays or I don't know. Probably just use a computer rather than somebody drawing. But now if you have your Marvel AR app, you can can, uh, scan the comic book and it'll automatically translate it for you. Wow. Will it read the comic book for me too? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Just the panels. They don't even translate them anymore. Well, I guess they didn't translate them here either. No. So uh, Banshee is only able to get uh, Thunderbird while Storm is able to get Wolverine and Nightcrawler. Leading... So Cyclops' plan wouldn't have worked in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would have left two X-Men stranded up in the air. So uh, Cyclops is now in free fall, and he's just like, Okay, Banshee. Uh, just don't be long, too long, okay? Um, the uh, mutant called Cyclops is alone. Alone. And so there was like a lot of coordination and Nightcrawler's explanation of his powers and everything. Are you really doing that when you're in free fall and have approximately 90 seconds until impact? <laughs> Everybody's talking really fast. Or you're like, I can't! <laughs> and plus the wind rushing, you'd be able to hear each other. Well, that's a good question. If Storm has powers over the wind, why doesn't she slow everybody's descent? 
That's a good point. She could just slow everybody, or like put a big updraft on there. And if she did a big yeah. updraft, then uh, it would slow everybody's descent. Nightcrawler could grab a couple people and teleport them down, and everybody would be fine. I think we're yeah. way overanalyzing this falling thing. <laughs> it's we're three pages into this magazine and we've it's been like 10 minutes colossus uh blasts into the side of the wall and uh or the ground and banshee is convinced that he has killed himself he he crashes into the ground and it creates a gigantic crater mm -hmm. and he's nowhere to be seen for a couple of panels and storm is worried about him but uh, and that's when Wolverine says, and that nut had the nerve to call me a crazy man. His his Russian translation is slightly off. Oh, yeah. So maybe Wolverine, uh, we're establishing here that Wolverine knows Russian. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but wasn't it Colossus and Storm in Giant Size Number 1 where Colossus is like, don't worry about me, I fall perfectly. Yeah, it was, but <laughs> apparently Aurora forgot. <laughs> Oh, I forgot you were made out of steel and nearly indestructible. Hey, has anybody seen Cyclops? Because I don't remember anybody getting him out of the sky. Should somebody go get Cyclops? Maybe it's a bigger drop. I don't know. It wasn't 90 seconds. It was like nine minutes. <laughs> and uh, Cyclops is slowing his own descent by his boots, so it all works out. <laughs> Yeah, the math is off because of the uh, the drag his boots are causing. But uh, just in the nick of time, uh, Banshee comes and rescues him, as the narrator says, within five seconds of impact. Right as Cyclops is about to be impaled by a tree. Now, if you're falling in free fall and somebody comes and grabs your arms and jerks you upward, aren't your arms dislocated if not broken? Not if he does it just right, uh -oh. maybe. I don't know. I like how he's thinking, funny, I always figured my number would be up someday, but I never thought it'd, be, it'd end like, and then Banshee grabs him and he shouts out loud, this! <laughs> and then Banshee says, what the hell? What are you talking about, laddie? Yeah, it's a throwback to the old uh, Roy Thomas way of writing. Think 90% of the words and then say the last 10%. The kids dig that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, Banshee's like, oh, laddie, did you really think I'd let a fine broth of a boy such as yourself get splattered all over that cold, cold mountain? What's the a fine... had crossed my mind. What's a <laughs> fine broth of a boy? Is that... What the hell is that? Uh, you know, it's, it's a... Should I have looked that up? I, 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 I'm pretty sure foin means fine. And broth uh, means broth. Broth is broth and boy is boy. <laughs> I've just never heard like that, you know, put together like that. Oh, just oh, mix. It's, it's, you know, it's a famous Irish slang. <laughs> uh, just mix you up with some potatoes. We could have some fine broth boy soup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so another thing, I don't know if we've established this, but I think at some point it gets established, and I guess I don't know why, but... Do you think Banshee could talk while he's screaming, which is the way that he actually flies? Ah, oh, that's a good point. He he hasn't really been doing that whole screaming thing since he joined up with the X-Men. Yeah, so all he's doing is... So he can just magically fly now. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And in the last panel on this page, his arms are downward, so like it's not even like his uh, uh, flaps on his costume are even gliding them. 
maybe it's sort of the way that the Falcon had to get like an updraft in order to, to fly. Maybe if Banshee like makes that curve, he's just kind of soaring. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> All right, fine. Well, the X-Men are fine, and uh, we're reminded that uh, we have less than an hour before or to deactivate the Doomsmith system before it automatically fires all the ICBMs in the U.S. strategic arsenal. This is a very windy panel. Look Oof. at how everybody's hair is being blown. Oh, you're right. Totally. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> do you know Do you know what ICBM stands for? Intercontinental Ballistic Missile. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good with my military lingo. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So Cyclops forms another plan, which is for Nightcrawler to teleport into uh, the Valhalla Fortress. Which he does, and we get our first BAMF. We do get our first BAMF. It's not colored right, though. Well, there is a crack of flame and gusting stench of brimstone, and Nightcrawler is suddenly gone. We get the whole flame and brimstone And I'm sorry about the coloring, but we got a bamf. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So they're still kind of like, you know what? That needs a sound. Bamf. That's good. And in a couple issues, they're like, you know what? We should really make it purple and black. I think that would work. So they're they're still working on how to represent this power. But Figuring the, out the details. The other thing that we learn as we go on is that uh, Nightcrawler can't teleport into an area that he doesn't know what it looks like. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that later, though. All right. That, all right. That's for that's for the after the episode episode. Oh oh oh, sorry, sorry. Spoilers. Okay, so anyways, he's inside and he's just fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, somebody from behind him says that. Uh, well, first of all, calls him a mutie and says that uh, he should be worrying about staying alive. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so, are the Animen not mutants? They don't think they are. Uh... Because he calls him a mutant again, and then he says, don't call me that. I I ain't no freaking mutant like you. I'm a man. And, uh, well, Nightcrawler begins calling uh, Croker uh, Herr Frosch. Herr Frosch. Herr Frosch. We're also, by the way, dear listeners, since this is an international comic book, we will be learning a little bit of international language. (laughs) Herr Frosch translates to Mr. Frog. But my question here is, uh, so he does call him Herr Frosch, and I was able to figure out, obviously, that meant Mr. Frog. But then the next panel, he's like, I do not wish to hurt you, Herr Frog. Yeah, well, you know, we got to give some uh, some of this knowledge to the readers of 1975. So. Oh, okay. Just in case you didn't quite get it, Frosch, when directed to a man who looks like a frog, means frog. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Okay. And that's when he says, I ain't no frog, I'm a man. You know what this guy reminds me of? <laughs> um, a He-Man character, I'm going to guess, named Merman. Totally. Did I did I use that one last time? <laughs> you probably did. Oh, okay. He looks drastically different in the first panel and the third panel. In the first panel, he's all muscly and fat, and in the third panel, he's all lithe and thin. Yeah, and then the third to last fat panel, he's like all skinny, and his neck is all craned weirdly. Yeah. Uh, actually, in the first panel, he looks like a big battle toad. Yeah. <laughs> He's pimple or or zit or, or rash. Or rash. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. Anyways, well, so I guess they fight because they're uh, they're evenly matched or something. Actually, I don't know what Herr Frosch's powers are. 
he he looks like a frog. <laughs> what does he need powers for? What's your ability? Well, I have the ability to look like a frog. I'm assuming he hops. Ah, <laughs> that could be. He does look like he have has big flippery feet. And he probably swims fast. Sure. He's like, damn it, there's no water. When's going to be my time to shine? <laughs> Nefaria, well, you said there'd be water. It's the old Aquaman scenario. <laughs> Uh, Nightcrawler does some more teleporting around. We get uh, a little bit of uh, the the sneak and teleport, uh, where he get he, where he confuses the croaker and then punches him in the face. Indeed, which is with awesome a, with a mighty craw. That is a massive. Uh, is that a right cross or a left cross? There, uh, it's a left cross. Yeah, it's a left cross. Oh, so is Nightcrawler left-handed? I don't know. Uh, he hit somebody later in the issue. We'll just have to. We'll have to keep keep that. Yeah, I want, uh, keep keep aware of that. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Okay, good. I just noticed that. All right, so he knocks him out and uh, takes Croker uh, hostage, and well, we cut over to Count Nefaria, who is none too happy about these developments. Croker, you unmitigated idiot! Uh, you had to try and defeat the X-Men on your own. You couldn't have summoned aid. Nefaria is a proponent of teamwork. He is. I'm getting a really, like, I'm getting very echoey of myself. I can hear myself. Is there, is there anything that can be done about that? Um, You sound good to me. Oh, wait, now it's gone. All right, so all I have to do is mention it, and it goes away. It might be, I don't know, it might be Google Chat or something. It was, it's gone, so let's let's keep going. Okay. Um, Catman says, uh, "We can take the rest of the mutants, and or we, the rest of the rest of us Animen can take that mutant." And uh, Nefaria says, "Nah, let him be. I don't know how he survived in the first place, but drat." Well, he's got other surprises in store for the X Men. So I guess what I wonder is. I mean, he didn't know that the X-Men were going to come. He was just like, ooh, what sweet, delicious irony. I get to beat the team that beat me once. So were these... And then he tried to kill them, and then he tried to kill them again, and they have yet to die. So, you know, you think he would start to be worrying. <laughs> so the surprises that are in store for the X-Men, are there? were those just general surprises that he had for anybody that was going to... I guess. Okay. Well, so Nightcrawler, he's looking... I guess the whole plan was for him to teleport inside and try to find the hatch uh, opening button. Which he manages to do while dragging Croker along behind him. And then he puts Croker down and says, uh, don't go away. Hell, and then the next panel, Croker sneaks away on his tippy toes. <laughs> and he's totally making that noise. <laughs> uh, he's all sneaking away and... Uh, Nightcrawler turns around. He's like, oh, the frogman, he's gone. Ach. Ach, du lieber. Well, he opens up the hatchway. The rest of the X-Men are like, all right, X-Men, let's get in that door. And uh, Nightcrawler has to admit his shame to Cyclops and said, I had a prisoner, a talking frogman. <laughs> and Cy Cyclops is like, you're crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, Cyclops isn't even nice. He's just like... Can't be helped, Kurt. We all make mistakes. What? <laughs> How did we make a mistake? Oh, man. I'd be thanking Nightcrawler for all of his work and, and putting his life at risk to, to open the door for him. Yeah, you're right. Mm. Yeah, anyways. Banshee points out that it's really stuffy in there, and the X-Men are all 
sweaty and gross and it turns out that there's a gas being pumped into whatever room they're in which is choking blistering blinding tearing at their skin like acid tearing at their minds in a moment it'll all be over if the x-men let that moment happen well thunderbird let's see irish or i mean uh, banshee says that there's gash jeez let me start that over again <laughs> banshee says that there's gas thunderbird says irish has a point one eye I feel kind of woozy myself, and I've felt this way before. What is he referring to? Uh, well, Wolverine has some pretty nasty gas problems. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyways, there's like no like back... You'll notice Wolverine's not in the second panel. That's a good point. But he's in the third panel. Well, he came back. Oh, okay. Ah, he took... <laughs> oh. He's like, what? It wasn't me. He who smelt it dealt it. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so the X-Men aren't going to let this whole acid thing take them. Uh, they start punching things. X-Men, smash through that wall into the next tunnel that I don't know if there's a tunnel there, but just in case there is a tunnel, smash through it. Good news for Cyclops. There was a tunnel back there. Woo, what a relief. And it's the, oh, the squad of, hang on. Americanskis. Uh, we we get another uh, crazy bout of uh, Russian here. Americanski. Americanski. Now, why are the soldiers attacking the X Men? Well, it turns out that they have been mind. Uh, their their mind has been controlled. They're 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 hypnotized. Oh, okay. As uh, as pointed out on the next page, they start get those muties, men, kill them all. And they start shooting and Colossus gets in the way and says, everybody get behind me. And that's when Cyclops points out, they're not responsible for attack, their attack. Look at them. They've been hypnotized. Huh. And Storm says, well, if, if you won't let me hurt them, then I will not hurt them, but I will use my power to knock them out using, I don't know, where does she get the water from? She creates the most amazing, spontaneous flash flood that's ever been inside the confines of a military base that you've ever seen and washes all these troops away. Yes. Where but, did, very, but very gently. Yeah. Where did all of that water come from? Again, this is the problem I guess I have with Storm's power. Like, I get it. If she's outside, she can conjure up some elements. and But even that's pretty powerful, isn't it? To be able to say, like, I would like... A thunderstorm now yeah i yeah it, it is kind of interesting it's I, I maybe someday they'll explain it as like drawing moisture from the air well like i, I don't know i i mean I, I guess i like my mutant superpowers to be like a, a like command of your own body or manipulation of a material like i can buy somebody who can control water because for some reason, you know, they, they have a, a control over the elements that make up that that um, material. But to be able to just create weather wherever you're at, that's that's just really, really powerful. Maybe Storm carries around like a big puddle with her just in case. And she also carries around like a big ball of wind. And she carries around a, like, a, a, like a miniature lightning storm that she gathered previously. That's one heck of a suitcase she's keeping it in then. And then, you know, she just pulls it out when she needs it. Okay. Yeah, all right. I don't buy that. Cyclops looks pretty impressed. Uh, It looks like Storm's going to go for the position of leadership, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, she probably will never get it, though. 
No, you know, it's probably going to, she'll probably lose her powers before that happens. Probably. Well, anyways, uh, Gort and Catman see the X-Men, so they leap into attack. Well, at least Gort does. Gort immediately knocks out uh, Thunderbird and Banshee by picking up Thunderbird and throwing him into Banshee, knocking them both out. Mm. Banshee, look out! He's going to throw me! (laughs) So Thunderbirds really had nothing to do with this issue whatsoever. Poor guy. (laughs) It's like they didn't even need him in this issue. No, he's kind of (laughs) useless. So the rest of the X-Men spring into action against the Animen, and it's a knockdown drag-out fisticuff. And Croker is back. We're told that both sides are numerically equal, but the Animen are fresh, ungassed, eager for the kill. The X-Men are not. Uh, Wolverine gets to fight Catman, which is apropos, I suppose. Yeah, Catman even says, you think you're some hotshot with those metal claws, huh, Mutie? Well, my claws ain't fake. They're real, schnarf, schnarf. (laughs) And Kitty wants to claw. (laughs) And they can kill, schnarf. (laughs) And this is when Colossus grabs, uh, well, actually, Catman knocks Wolverine out. Wolverine's pretty weak in this issue. Yeah. And, uh... Catman's about to go in for the kill and Colossus grabs him and, and this is where he really does look like Snarf. He has the Snarf beard. <laughs> Who grabbed my arm, Lion-O? Lion-O? <laughs> I grabbed it. I, Colossus. And this is like the signature Colossus punch. <laughs> the uh, full body. Uh, oh, I love s- it. It's the sweep. I mean, this is a panel that they will draw continuously through the 70s and 80s and probably just the 70s and 80s. Anytime he punches out, like, uh, you know, another big bad guy, he's in this full action, like, one arm up, the other arm down for the swing and his legs pushing him forward. Like, all of his power is in that punch. Maybe his uh, maybe his sound effect is katam. <laughs> and nobody, just no one ever noticed. It could be. But uh, yeah, I love I love that punch. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> and so uh, we get round two with Nightcrawler and Frogman. Frogman does hop, as I had guessed before. Uh, he hops out of the way of Nightcrawler's blow, but jumps straight into Cyclops' blast. Um, I don't know why Nightcrawler says, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no. My thanks for your assistance, Cyclops. And Frogman's like, oh, I only got to use my power once. (laughs) And all it was is it got me hurt. And then a bird man comes in and kicks Cyclops. uh, Dragonfly, right? Or is this no, a different this bird person? Dragonfly. This is another character that I do not know the name of. I don't think the name is mentioned in this issue. Huh. Um, I'll have to I'll have to look it up later. <laughs> but uh, this is a uh, Cyclops calls him the Birdman. Sure. And the, the the Birdman grabs Cyclops by the arms and lifts him on the lifts him off the ground. And that's when Nightcrawler jumps high up into the air and uh, what he stretches his body full length. And smashes into Birdman's back. And uh, I'm surprised that this doesn't hurt Cyclops, but it doesn't. And the bird goes, Rock! (laughs) 
And that's when Gort says, You hurt Gort's friends. You hurt Gort, for that Gort will kill you all. Heads up, you guys. Here comes that road company Hulk, and he's loaded for bear. And yeah, and uh, Storm don't care. She uh, she lightning bolts the little uh, and uh, headphones that are on her. On did we mention that there's headphones on all these Animen's heads? I think we mentioned it last issue. Well, they still have headphones on, but not Gort anymore. And uh, that's lightning bolt, lightning bolt, (laughs) lightning bolt. And that's when uh, Wolverine says, son of a gun, the futzer's still on his feet. Yeah, Wolverine's like got all the crazy slang. I wish he wouldn't say that, and I hope he doesn't say that anymore. Son of a gun or the futzer? Son of a gun is okay, but futzer, what the hell? Nobody ever said that, did they? (laughs) The futzer's still on his feet. It's like they want Wolverine to be a badass, but they're like, well, we can't really have him swear. How about Futzer? Okay. He's not really even a badass yet. He's just kind of this guy who has no personality. Well, I think they're like I think they're trying to make him a badass, but they keep giving him this terrible dialogue. Well, that's his only characterization, is this terrible dialogue. So <laughs> True. I don't know. I don't really I don't really feel like he's a badass quite yet. He's he's just kind of like uh I don't know, the the jokey sort of character who's always got an attitude. I mean at this point, I think Thunderbird's more of a badass than Wolverine. I agree. <laughs> well, anyways, this is where we get the the double twin punch of Gort. It looks like Nightcrawler is left-handed because okay. he punches again with his left arm. You have no idea how long it took me to figure that out as I was staring at the picture. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I, I should hold this up in a mirror. Was Wolverine the left-handed? <laughs> but yes, you are right. Um, and, uh, Cyclops handily takes out the dragonfly. Well, it takes him a few panels, but. Yeah, this is weird. Uh, dragonfly realizes that the Animen are defeated, and so she goes to escape. But first she takes control of Cyclops' mind by using her hypnotic powers. Uh, this causes Cyclops to open his eyes. His eyes go blank. Or rather, his eyes so blank as they type. But whatever. (laughs) And, uh. Open wide, his eyes his eyes motion automatically raising the quartz crystal shield, freeing his eye beams from their cage, and then he blasts Dragonfly, knocking her out. But isn't did we didn't we establish that that's not exactly how his powers work? Or I don't. I guess now they're kind of controlled by the motion of his eyes. Well, in in the earliest origin of his headpiece, it was said that. Whenever he opened his eyes, the shield would close. And whenever he would close his eyes, the shield would open. And that makes sense. But this this, this having him open his eyes wide. Right. And then uh, they had said that, uh, no, 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 that's not it. There's a little button on his uh, goggles or uh, it can be activated from his gloves that opens and closes the shield. This is yeah. a whole new iteration of how his. Uh, well, of course, it's a whole new helmet or a, 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 gog- a set of goggles too. Maybe it's maybe the reference is that since his eyes go blank, it's like his eyes are closed. I, I have, don't know. I have no idea. I still am at a loss as to how he operates his goggles. <laughs> to this day, in 2013, uh, it's a neat thing, and when they don't explain it, it works well. But when they start trying to explain how it works, it loses me. <laughs> It's a modern mutant miracle. That's what it is. And that's what they should just leave it as. It's like, oh, just it's mutant magic. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
Doomsmith minus 18 minutes and they've they're the X-Men have beaten the Animen. It's a pretty good uh, it's a victory for the new X-Men. This is like holy crap, you're right. One it took them it took them two issues and they have a victory. I think our X-Men our original X-Men it looked, took them at least 10. I think you're right. I'm surprised Cyclops isn't like guys. Do you know what we just did? Like, we actually just solved the crime here, and the professor hasn't even contacted us once. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, uh, they realize that uh, Thunderbird and Banshee are missing. We haven't time to wake them up. We've got to get to the Nefaria and the Doomsmith system. So they run off. They discover the Doomsmith system. No! Nefaria's locked the Doomsmith system into the self-destruct circuit. It's armed and counting, and there's no way on earth we can shut it off in time. Yeah. So, okay. A little sense of urgency. We've only got nine minutes. Yeah. <laughs> So, but in the meantime, Banshee and Thunderbird, because there was no time to wake them up, they wake up on their own. And uh, well, you know, eight minutes later, <laughs> and uh, they're uh, they're they want to go join the fight. I guess they want to go find the rest of the X Men. But uh, it's at this point that Count Nefaria, I guess, has realized that since he his Animen were beaten, he is now beaten. And yet he still feels it's a victory if he escapes because the self-destruct system will blow the mountain up and at least kill the X-Men. Sure. So he hops into a Harrier, but Thunderbird and Banshee see him and they say, well, this ain't happening. We're going to stop him. And uh, Looks like that Nefaria dude's bugging out on his compadres. You're too late, mutants. You'll never stop at me now. So Thunderbird runs and jumps onto the side of the Harrier holding on, and he's working his way to get to the pilot seat, but Banshee, he's like, No, laddie, you got to get off! I can use my sonic blast to stop him! And this is when uh, Thunderbird calls Count Nefaria Nephi. <laughs> Don't go away, Nephi, baby, because John Proudstar is coming to get you! See, now that one I can let go because, like, he's in the zone. He's got, like, all of his his uh, um, uh, uh, he, his, te- or his testosterone, his uh, adrenaline is pumping through his veins. He's climbing on the side of a Harrier jet as it's going full speed. He's, yeah. Don't go away, nephew, baby. John Proudstar's coming for you. All right, all right. <laughs> I'll give him that one, but like all of the other little, little stupid names that we've talked about in the past, can't forgive any of those. This one is the only one that works. <laughs> but anyway, so he, he starts like just pounding on the top of the cockpit. Like he nothing's going to stop him from getting inside that cockpit. Yeah, he is a man in rage. And we cut back to Wolverine and Cyclops. Uh, Wolverine says, oh, man, we better get out of here. And Cyclops says, well, where are we going to go, dummy? We've got like five minutes. <laughs> We're all going to die. We're the world's only chance. We have to shut down this system now. Which and then is- uh, Professor X shows up with his, his mental head uh, image and says, Cyclops, what are you doing? <laughs> and Cyclops is like, what? But the, the Doomsmith, Professor, we've got to stop the Doomsmith. It's totally out of commission. I've mentally scanned the system. Your battle with the Animan destroyed the command relays and the backups. What? <laughs> how? Con- why couldn't you have told me this like five minutes ago, Professor? How convenient. And why are you coming in and being like, Cyclops, what are you doing? I mean, he looks and sounds accusing. Yeah, what a jerk. <laughs> you should just be like, 
Cyclops, your efforts are needed elsewhere. You've damaged the machine. Go get Thunderbird. But no, yeah, he's like in, instead of this like accusatory like several sentence long explanation of what's going on, he could just say, "It's okay. It's handled. Go get Thunderbird." Right. But no, not not we don't get that. Anyways, uh, the professor is like, okay, enough of that, though. You've got to get outside because you've got an X-Men in mortal danger. And Cyclops, to his credit, says, you heard the man, people. Move it. And they, they get out as quickly as possible. Thunderbird, meanwhile, smashes into the cockpit. He's broken the glass. You madmen, you'll kill us both, says Count Nefaria. And that's when the professor tries to contact Thunderbird. John Proudstar, get, get off the airplane before it's too late. But out, Baldy. I'm through taking orders. I've been a loner all my life, Xavier. An outcast dumped on by everybody I've met. But I'm a man, Xavier. A warrior of the Apache. And today, I'm gonna prove it. For God's sakes, laddie, get off of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Nope, no such luck. The X-Men rush outside of the Valhalla base in time to see Banshee chasing the Harrier with John, John Proudstar on it. But then the plane... Oh, my God. It explodes. Why does the plane explode? I don't know. <laughs> does he, all he's doing is smashing the cockpit. Yeah, if anything, you'd think it'd crash. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird. Maybe John Proudstar, like... I don't know. What would he have done? Like ripped an engine apart? He no, because he's clearly not doing that. He must have hit the the secret <laughs> self destruct button that all Harriers have. <laughs> Count Nefaria's like, no, no, no! You'll kill us both. Don't hit that button. It's the self. Oh no! <laughs> Womb. Thunderbird, and... no! Get out, boy! Get out! Cyclops, the aircraft eats. I can see it, Peter. I'm. <laughs> I have glasses on. It doesn't mean I'm blind. I'm I'm right here next to you, Colossus. <laughs> we all are. We get a close-up of Professor Xavier's eyes and eyebrows Those are some... as the plane explodes between his mighty eyebrows. It's like the plane crashes into one of his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> no! You Cyclops and one other. No! And then we get a kind of cool idea where... The professor uh, feels John Proudstar's pain, and he's kind of he, he's on fire himself, but he's he can only feel the pain, but it doesn't cause him to die, which is kind of weird. It's 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 an interesting idea, but that level of pain, I don't know. I would assume that if it caused John Proudstar to die, that somehow it would cause the professor to die. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm not really sure how it works. So. Imagine this. Like I I, I like it because it's kind of like a silent. So he like connects up to his brain and like he's one with his X man to like maybe comfort him or something like that. Uh, but so I mean, what is pain? But pain is like nerve impulses that your brain reacts to. You could sever that part of your brain and you wouldn't be able to feel pain. So if you're locked into that piece, then the professor would feel the same pain as well. I buy it. Yeah, I definitely like it. And I like the idea that the professor wants to be there. Yeah. You know, he, he could probably shut this off and not deal with this, but he wants to be there. Yeah. So, so good one on you, professor. Uh, you're a dick to Cyclops, but you were good to John Prodstar at the last. Uh, and these four final panels, I, I think, are kind of weird. Like in the first one, he's naked. In the second <laughs> one, he's just got a shirt on. And then the third one, he's got his whole suit on. Like, what do you think that was intentional, or do you think that was just not well drawn? 
I think it was just not well drawn. Okay, and just like, how are we going to color this? I don't know. Make it skin color. <laughs> so, somebody forgot the professor's collars. We'll fix it later. Well, anyways, on the ground, we get like a really quick hurry up here. Like, I think we could have used one more page to do all of this, but uh, right after the death, uh, we're back on the ground. Um, Banshee's like, oh, I begged, I pleaded with him. You have to believe Banshee, me. Banshee, that, that looks like E.T. to me. <laughs> he does look like E.T. He looks weird. <laughs> but he wouldn't get off the plane. He wouldn't get off. And Banshee's going to feel a little guilt in the future, if I'm if I'm guessing correctly. It's I know, Banshee, it wasn't your fault. It is certainly establishing that here. I suppose it had to happen sometime. Hell, sooner or later, it happens to all of us in this business. It comes with a uniform. Let's go, guys. The end. <laughs> like, really? You couldn't just give us, like, one more page to kind of, like, linger on this momentous thing that just happened? I mean, for God's sakes, an X-Man died. Yeah, well, we get we get a final panel of uh, the plane with like some debris and a, and a solitary feather hangs off of the the debris. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot to mention that. Yep. Well, that's the end of uh, that issue. And John Proudstar, he will never make a return to the Marvel universe. Not true. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, he'll be back eventually. But he he never. He never returns to life. I'll give them that. I honestly don't actually know. He comes back as a zombie. Oh, in like Marvel zombies? No, in uh, in X Necrotica or Necrotia or whatever I forget what it was called, but it was a it was X Force and other X comics tie in and yeah. Okay, I haven't um, read that. What's his name? Uh, his his little brother has to Warpath. face up to him. Warpath faces Thunderbird. And I think Warpath, well, are we at the spoiler section of the show yet? Spoilers. Spoilers? What spoilers? Yes, we are officially at the spoilers section of this show. <laughs> uh, oh, well, before we get to that, I uh, just want to let everybody know that uh, we, we uh, uh, enjoy all the comments and stuff that we've been seeing lately on Facebook. I've been posting a little bit more. Uh, we've been uh, pimping a little bit of our art department's work. Um should we should we reveal who the art department is? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. It's holding the tradies. Yes, the art department is holding the tradies. So we thank him for uh, his art participation. He designed a new banner at the web page, which is at www.redcapproductions.com forward slash danger room. Although we keep forgetting to mention, and I'm going to do that now for the first time, rather than using that big cumbersome URL, you could literally just go to xmenpodcast.com. Whoa, you've blown my mind. Yeah, man, we own that. We own that. It's ours. Nobody else can have xmenpodcast.com. It's true. Unless they want to buy it from us. <laughs> Which we'll sell it cheap. <laughs> totally. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, what else? Uh, uh, you can go to www.facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, or you can Twitter with us at Danger Room Go. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 501-GET-X-MEN. All of those wonderful ways to get a hold of us, plus iTunes. Head out there, give us a five-star review, or leave a, a couple notes of encouragement. be fantastic. Indeed. All right, hit us with your spoiler. What, what happens to uh, Warpath? Oh, I had nothing major. I was just like, are we ready to like talk about spoilers? It was really nothing exciting. It was. Uh, I think Warpath oh. becomes an X-Man. But, well, first he becomes a villain, and then he uh, becomes an X-Man. Well, he, he's a member of X-Force. 
but in and then after he's a member of X Force, he becomes an X Man. Okay, because I, I don't know. I don't. Know, is, is he a villain? He it, well, he starts off as a villain. We will find out. I can't. I don't know when, but when we start discovering like the Hellfire Club, we'll discover um, Emma Frost's junior team, the Hellions, which I believe Warpath is a member of, and he's just out for revenge. Right, as we'll learn in this very issue of classic X-Men number three with the cool Art Adams Storm cover. Hell yeah. This is a, this is the cover during this month, I guess. Maybe it was November or maybe during this entire year. Each Marvel comic had this uh, like framed picture of one of the members with uh, all of the uh, Marvel characters all around it. Yep, uh, it even went to G.I. Joe, which was Snake Eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, every Marvel title. I bet you even an issue of Gru probably had this. It Gru did not. Gru was, a, Gru was not considered Marvel. It was considered epic. Oh, okay. So then so like... The just... epic titles did not otherwise... Other... I would know. I have, okay. I have them all. All right, fine. Uh, anyways, this is uh, the part that we're going to go through was penciled by John Bolton. Well, no, we are we are also going to cover the, uh, the 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 additions to the issue that we just did, which were still by Dave Cockrum. Wait a minute, there's additions? Yeah, you didn't see the additions? Oh my God, you're blowing my mind! No, you know there's additions because you mentioned one of them, the Nightcrawler one. Well, no, that was purely coincidence. Oh, wow. That is an interesting coincidence. Okay, well, okay. Uh, page two. Let's start with page two. Oh, yeah. We cut, Wait. We cut to... Um, uh, we, get a, we get a more in-depth... Wait, uh, wait a just... second. Where did this page come from? What do you mean? Why is this page here? I'm confused. Was this cut out of the original comic book? No, this is, this is an added-in scene. But why is this... Looks like it's drawn by uh, Dave Cockrum. Because Dave Cockrum added in the scenes. Oh, my God. So I, you mean I got to read all these, too? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so the issues one and two, it said, like, pages two through three, seven through nine. Like, I could right. pinpoint exactly where I needed to go, but, oh, man. All right. Uh, so I didn't read any of this. I only read the backstory. So <laughs> hit us up, okay. Adam. All right. Yeah, we get we get a short scene of Cardinaferia talking to the... Uh, Somebody who works for the somebody named Hegedorn who works for the president, who says that the president will never give in to your insane demands, and um, then Catman shows up and says, "You're bluffing, right? And if you if you actually detonate this thing, it's gonna blow. It's gonna kill us too." And Captain Fairy is like, "No, not really. But you guys don't need to worry because because I because I am bluffing, but not really. Huh. I don't know. It's it's weird." And then. Um, you get two pages of this. And then he calls Gort Ape Man. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. Must have forgot his name. Yeah. And then we've got uh, Merman staring at the dragonfly eerily. <laughs> and then that's when the Animan re repeat that, or, or say that, uh, we could handle the X-Men, sure, but if the Avengers come, we're, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> <laughs> nice little tie in there. Kroger says, boss, we're good, but not dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so this replaces a page in the comic book because then we go to the impact T minus 90 seconds. Yeah. And we get oh, yeah. to... <clears throat> we do get it that it's 90 seconds. Okay, so they read... Oh, my gosh. This is crazy, Adam. <laughs> uh, okay. All right, and so we go forward a couple more pages, 
And uh, when Cyclops tells Nightcrawler to teleport inside, Nightcrawler <laughs> says, I cannot teleport anywhere. I cannot see or visualize in my mind's eye. Jaunting blind is virtual suicide. There's too great a chance of me materializing within a solid object. Can I just stop you right there and say I hate this? <laughs> I, okay, I, I, I'm looking. I didn't read this, like I said, but I'm looking at the page, and I know exactly what they did, and I know exactly what uh, Chris Claremont was like. It's like, we need... One page to describe this because I set up in every other story that Nightcrawler can't do this. So what happens? It's, it's, it's a total George Lucasism. So uh, so Cyclops asks Banshee to use his uh, sonic sonar to figure out if there's a space behind the mountain, and uh, Banshee does it, and it it kind of stresses him out, and it, he he kind of overstresses his body. But he is able to find that there's a nightcrawler. There's a fair sized space, 51 meters lateral from here, by seven vertical up. If you can match those coordinates, Bucko, you're in. That's stupid. Teamwork, my friends, how I love it. And then, man, she disappears without a bamf. But you get the correctly colored bamf. Yeah, true. Wow, I hate this. I really, do, <laughs> I really don't like that. Yeah, well, and the other problem is like, okay, uh, Fine. Banshee uses some sonar. I, I don't know how. It, I mean, sonar works by, like, beaming your signal down and then counting the delay between it returning. And I don't know how he's going to be able to do that, but somehow he does. But still, I mean, why did Chris Claremont decide to make it so complicated by saying it's 51 meters lateral and 7 meters up? Like, because he he's a classy writer and he wanted to be detailed. So Nightcrawler gets out his sextant, <laughs> coordinates <laughs> those... Uh, on, on it, and is like, ah, I see my Frun just right up there. Bam, and there he goes. <laughs> so we jump ahead to page 12, right after Storm takes out everybody with her flash flood. Uh, James Proudstar uh, Thunderbird says, I'll take point one eye, and Cyclops says, no, that's Wolverine's job. A, he's been stationed at this base before, and B, he's got ultra keen senses. Wait, he's been stationed at this base before? Apparently. Oh. Well, he served in the Canadian military. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, at which Thunderbird says, I'm part of this team too, Cyclops. And Cyclops says, good, then you'll have no problem following my lead. Yeah, and we're also and then, talking about Wolverine's ultra-keen senses, which, again, we haven't established in the comic book. So, ugh. It's too George Lucas uh, you. Yeah, totally. Um Thunderbird says, lost my temper too easy, happens too often, I hate being boss, why am I in a team? Psych was right about the Canuck, and I knew it, and still I bucked him. I, I want to be contribute, I want to contribute to be needed. My being here, being alive, should count for something, but how? There's something I can do, one of the others can do better, nothing! <laughs> and he cries and shrivels into the corner, and that's when he gets jumped. Wow. <clears throat> that was a really good Thunderbird impression. He He points out that he has not a single power that none of the other has that are better than his. Uh-huh. And um, essentially that's probably why they get rid of Thunderbird. Oh yeah, sure. Makes sense. Well, is it that, or is it that they did, they create a super team and say, look, we want to have some drama, right? So they had Sunfire leave immediately. Yeah. And then they're like, well, I mean, you know what? Maybe they just didn't. I don't think they had a plan. I think that it just happened like, well, what are we going to do with this Thunderbird guy? Nobody likes Native Americans. And uh, 
<laughs> and he has no unique powers. <clears throat> and maybe they just killed him. So yeah, maybe that I, maybe that wasn't the plan from the get go. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Well, anyways, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure with giant size one, they didn't know there were necessarily that there would be a giant size two, but maybe they did. I don't know. I think I had read that. Like almost immediately after Giant Size One came out, they knew that there was going to be a Giant Size Two. I mean, it was going to be that was launching a series of Giant Size, and I don't know if they're going to be like every six months or every quarter or something like that. But then it was so popularly sold that they immediately struck down that and made it go back to the regular series. Hmm. So, well, that's it. That's all we get from this issue. This extra bonus is. A little bit of that, a little bit of that, and a little bit of that. Which brings us to the second story of classic X-Men number three. This one is drawn Morning. This one is drawn by John Bolton. True. Very true. And I'm not a fan of John, either the colorist or John B- Bolton's artwork. I'm not sure which. Really? I, li- I like both. Hmm. It's, it's different. It's, it's, it's different. It's, it's very, uh, it's kind of painterly. It's very realistic. Or, uh, or maybe not realistic, but but like a like a painting, I suppose. I agree with that, and I think maybe it's because I'm looking at this through my 12 year old eyes, going like, "Why isn't somebody hitting somebody?" Because <laughs> literally, like nothing happens in this entire story. Yeah, it's uh, the professor is feeling bad, and apparently the X Men have dragged John. Well, maybe not dragged, but have brought John Prodstar's body to the Indian reservation where his, well, I don't know that it's a reservation, but I think it's a reservation his, because that's what uh, John Proudstar was doing when we first met him in giant size is he was on the yeah, reservation that's right. and he hated it yeah. and everything. He brought him back to his parents and uh, they touch on the fact that he felt his, uh, the, the professor felt his uh, death so closely again. Yeah. Gene uh, apparently came out for the funeral Yep, she's all dressed in black. Looks like she has short hair, but I suppose it's probably just tied up. Oh, and she uh, we get a little bit more backstory that we, we shouldn't know yet, but she says, I heard your psychic cry of anguish. How you feel? I went through the same thing years ago when my best friend Annie Malcolm was killed by a car. I remember. That tragedy brought us together. You helped me then. Today it's my turn. What? <laughs> Um, so, uh, like, I guess you're supposed to have read this, you know, 20 years after, well, not 20 years, but 15 years or so after this originally came out. So, you know, this whole Annie Malcolm story. Plus yeah, thought, it's kind of weird. It's like plus I thought, uh, this, this, all this inserted stuff is predicated on the fact that you know all the stuff that comes after it. Plus, I thought it was Annie Richards, not Annie Malcolm, but maybe well, I guess we'll find out <laughs> eventually not in this issue. Anyways, uh, what Turns would out somebody kidnapped the body of John Proudstar and uh, his parents are like, let it go. X-Men <laughs> you, you've done it. You did enough. You took our firstborn son from us. You brought him home and you've done enough. And he also, he died under your watch. So, <laughs> so bug off. So uh, thanks for the delivery. Now off with you, but nope. Uh, Nightcrawler, he he delivers a little bit more. Uh, well, actually, the professor gets the X Men together, and that's when uh, Nightcrawler delivers a little bit of German for us. Oh yeah, when when he sees that the uh, the body is gone, what does he say? Zum Teufel, 
Zum Teufel. Which they spell wrong, which made it harder to figure out. <laughs> oh, they but did. Means... What the devil? They spelt it completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, desecration. These people have no decency, Nightcrawler says about whoever stole John Proudstar's body. And we move on to the parents saying, you've done enough, go away. Uh, Wolverine's is not, is he's going to take care of his own. So he goes after him. Uh, he starts smelling, you know, doing his smelling thing. He needs to take off his jacket for some reason. Helps him, helps him figure things out. Helps him track. Because <laughs> he's going to go track this dead body. The X-Men follow and um, Professor and uh, Jean Grey have psychically determined that it was the younger brother of James Proudstar that kidnapped the body. Sure. But they decide not to tell the X-Men that. The Professor says, oh, the X-Men will figure it out. Since male, Apache, similar to Johnny's, but younger, probably a kid, kid brother. Boys cover his tracks. Trailed me invisible to anyone but me. He's heading for the mount. <laughs> and this is where we get Banshee flying around, yelling at the top of his lungs in order to fly, which I guess he needs to do again. He didn't in the previous part of this issue, but now he has to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so, I mean, that actually kind of made for good storytelling later on in the series where Banshee's like, oh, I need to tell the guy something, but I can't talk when I'm flying because it uses all of my sonic scream to do the flying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyways. So, yeah, he's doing an aerial view while Wolverine's doing a ground view. And, and Banshee does a lot of thinking here. Well, first Wolverine thinks to himself, oh, that guy's a moron. He's making it easy for anybody to realize that we're sneaking up on them. And then that's when we cut to uh, Banshee's guilt-ridden thoughts. Bye. Wolvie looks miffed. I could care. Dust and dry air aren't good for my throat. It's starting to hurt. Blah, blah, blah. I'm too low. I'm too fast. Pushing my sonic scream to its limits and probably beyond. Yeah. If I'd have pushed a little harder, taken a risk or two, we wouldn't be burying John today. Uh, That's daft, Sean Cassidy, and you know it. So this is just him doing a little bit of race. He's feeling guilty, and on top of everything that's happened now, the body's been stolen, and they can't even give him a proper burial. True. And uh, Nightcrawler and Colossus are hot and they complain about it. And Cyclops <laughs> says, come on. <laughs> if you two That's... are having problems, you should return to Professor Xavier and uh, Jean at the station. We are fine, Cyclops. We can keep up. Are we not X-Men, mine hair? Oh, and we get a little bit more German. Our last lesson for the day. Mein Herr. Which apparently means my lord, which I did not know. Mine, I always thought it meant like my sir or my man or, and it it's it's definitely like like used differently than yeah. the English would use my lord. Oh no! So it's not like God. It's like like a lord, uh, like the boss, like a lord of the province in Germany. What did my right, hair, right, right. My, my lord? Exactly. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. So we get a little flashback. Uh, uh, Nightcrawler thinks about a time that he spent in the danger room with uh, Thunderbird, I guess. Indeed. Thunderbird punches a punching bag off of its chain, I guess. And uh, he's just blowing off steam is all. And he says, uh, 
What is there here as an X-Men for me, really, for any of us? Don't you guys ever wonder? We we gonna dude up? We gonna dude up? <laughs> we gonna dude up in these skin tights and punch heads for Xavier for the rest of our lives? And if we do, how long will those lives last? If you feel that way, John, why stay? Beats me, Kurt. I guess it's because I got nowhere else to go. <laughs> yep. He said that as a joke, Cyclops, and made light of our whole conversation. I accepted that. I should have listened harder. <laughs> so they're all just res- res- whatever. They're all talking about John and feeling um, sad. Storm casts a nice uh, cold rain shower. Uh, cool everybody off. This apparently gives uh, Colossus uh, an orgasm as he stares up into the sky. It vacant. feels wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Don't stop. Why did you stop? Wolverine has reached the mountains, says uh, Aurora, and Cyclops says, oh, I'm impressed. That man can move. Yeah. We're all, <laughs> we're all full of surprises, Cyclops. And when then she thinks back to a moment that she spent in her attic with uh, John Proudstar. Which I guess we have to assume she, she, if if we take all this retconning into uh, consideration, then the last retcon oh. where she was in a room where uh, John Proudstar left her a cactus must have taken place before this. And then she decides not to take that room and instead take the attic, which she then fills with plants. I don't know, man. That's that's way too much thinking. <laughs> but sure, sure, why not? What the hell? And uh, she wonders why he measures himself against Wolverine time and time again, and he says, "Well, he's the man. He's the man to beat. He's the best." Yeah. And he's, I'm, I'm just edgy. Man, it's careless. Drops his guard even for an instant. He's history. Oh. But you're among friends. Here in my home, there is nothing to fear. Ha! (laughs) Are my my blossoms so formidable? (laughs) Not plants, lady. Jungles. Totally deception. The beauty lures you into a false sense of security, and then it kills you. Or you kill to survive. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Do tell. Are you going anywhere tonight? (laughs) I don't know. Family? Sure. Friends? I left them in the jungle. Loved ones? A girl to cherish, Aurora. Kids to raise? Never. So he's got no family. He's got no family. Meh. But it turns out he does have some family. Uh, he's got a little brother who Wolverine has tracked down and is watching give a ceremonial warrior's burial to the body of John Proudstar. Soon, presumably he's going to set that body on fire. Sure. It looks like. A little funeral pyre. But Mike, well, Logan is watching uh, the brother, and he's smoking a cigar. I mean, do you think that's the best way to disguise yourself? Is you're spying on somebody? <laughs> no, no, boy, there's I didn't a notice that. there's some smoke rising from that rock. What's that smell? <laughs> and it looks like there's a cowboy hat on that rock. Yay! Uh, and apparently, uh, he just so happened to camp out at a rock that was right next to some of John Proudstar's be- belongings, including a box that has a-, a picture of him in Korea or Vietnam or somewhere. U.S. Marines, medals, honorable discharge. A record to be proud of, but you kept it hidden. Oh, blah, y- blah, blah. <laughs> he lied about his age because he wanted to do something with his life, so he went into the military early and he was decorated and good stuff like that. 
and he keeps thinking and and then he leaves his stuff there and he heads back to the X-Men and says, there's nothing for us here. Life isn't a game, boy. You wear man's boots, shoulder man's responsibilities. You take the consequences. It's a lesson all the X-Men better take to heart real flaming quick. He meets up with the X-Men and says, he tells them what's happening and so let's go. And so they go. And uh, that's when we get our, our what is it, James Proudstar? Or is he John Proudstar, James Proudstar? I this is know, James Proudstar. John Proudstar is the one that just died. Okay, so James Proudstar is saying that I'm going to get revenge on Professor Xavier. He's the one who did this to you. He called you Thunderbird, so now I'm going to be Thunderbird. Another and, proud star uh, who claims his life for yours. I swear, my brother, by all I hold hurly, hurly, by all I hold holy, you will be avenged. Bam. <laughs> I will avenge you. I don't know. I get it. Like, I don't know that that backup story needed to be told, though, you know? Yeah, well, that's probably the dilemma when you come up with a, I have to tell a backup story every issue. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, anyways, uh, so kind of boring, uh, in my opinion. I mean, I wasn't too into it either, to be honest. It it just kind of, it was just kind of there. Yeah. So let us know, folks. Let us know what you think about these classic X-Men backup stories. I think we'll continue to do them because I'll bet you... I've never read, I haven't read all of them, and I haven't even read most of them, so they're new to me, and I have to imagine that uh, they're new to some of you as well. But if you absolutely hate them, let us know. I don't know, maybe we'll change. It could happen. Yeah, we'll, we'll change for you. <laughs> it's not you, baby, it's us. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, anything else? Uh, like I said, drop us a line on any one of those communiques. But, uh, oh, actually, you know what we haven't done yet, Adam, is... Uh, now that we've gotten issue 94 and 95 uh, done, they were supposed to be bookended together as a giant-sized number two, so we've actually finished our second Uncanny X-Men story. What did you think of this second story and how it was written and all that jazz? Um, I thought it was not quite as good as the first one, but in some ways it was better. I don't know. It, was, it, was, uh, it establishes the team a little better. They, they, they kick some butt which is nice. Um, they definitely, uh, not, they don't really act as a team so much as use all their powers individually. Yeah. Um, and then John Proudstar dies, which is pretty shocking. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess that was interesting because, uh, well, I mean, as of, as they've said many times in the interviews and the bios and everything that they've said, it's like, look, we wanted to create a comic book where anything could happen and anybody could die and you can't get comfortable with this book because you don't know what's going to happen next. And I would say that that's definitely happened. I would have to imagine that uh, Thunderbird was probably somebody's favorite character and somebody was probably really mad when they killed him. Yeah, I wonder if it would have been more effective if they had waited a little while, like given it like 10 issues and really established the character of Thunderbird so that when he dies, we're all like, oh, man. Not Thunderbird. Well, maybe, but... As, as it was, we kind of don't really... We never really got to know Thunderbird. True, true. Uh, enough has been written to about him on retcon stuff, though, and, and he's played a pretty big part in the X-Men's lore, even though he was only in three issues. Yeah, but ignoring all the retcon stuff and just giant size in 94 and 95, 
we get very little character yeah. of him. He's a he's just a hothead. Agreed. Um, but I get. I almost wonder if it was Chris Claremont who was like, "Let's can we make this team just a little smaller so I got something to work with here." <laughs> like I can't be writing for all these people. I don't know because this is still plotted by uh, Lynn Ween at this point. So that's a good point. Who knows? So, so yeah, and that's the other thing I guess I was going to say is that it, I mean to me this doesn't yet feel like the X Men. It feels like we're still kind of uh, grinding out of that campy seventies era and maybe moving into something nice. I mean, the thing about <clears throat> Claremont's writing is he generally, well, again, Len Wein did the plotting of this one, but he generally layers these things where you have like a major story, but you could have like three or four other stories happening or, or elements of three or four other stories occurring or getting ready to start a new line. And that just isn't present here. This, this stood onto itself. It was another monster of the week, except it was a two-parter this time. Right. Well, because it was giant size too. Well, right. So you know, I'm I'm still still waiting for the for the series to launch off, but uh, but we're getting there. I wonder if it'll start with John Byrne or if it's gonna actually happen with Dave Cockrum. I don't know. I think well, Dave Cockrum comes and goes, so yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll we'll be we'll be back here next time. Uh, so yeah, and- we got some uh, listener mail from Nicholas Hoekstra. Hoekstra? Yeah. Hey, guys, I've written in before, but way back towards the beginning. I'm a visually impaired listener, and you are both. And you both are giving me a total new access to the X-Men. Totally awesome. I really enjoyed the fast-paced issues between 1970 to 75, but I'm glad we're back focusing more time on the individual comics. Really enjoyed Giant Size number one. Also, Marvel Girl's voice is back. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks, dude. That's That's totally cool. Yeah, um, um, he he had some questions about how to do iTunes with the visually impaired thing, and uh, I sent him a response. But I gotta be honest, as I was like uh, imagining how I could explain this, I was like, I don't think iTunes is very well crafted towards you know the non uh, uh, you know the visually impaired. Well, I mean, I kind of I don't like he uses a screen reader, which I've uh, somewhat familiar with, but. I, um, I, and I know how it reads web pages, but I, I have no idea how it reads iTunes. I bet you it reads everything, and it's just probably like left to right. Yeah, that could be messy. <laughs> exactly. Like nothing's a complete sentence. <laughs> Reading you all the details. Well, anyways, uh, uh, n- thank you for writing in, and uh, we appreciate the efforts that you have gone uh, through to try to rate us. And if it's just not working, don't worry. We're okay with you just listening. Yeah, yeah, but you're the only one. Everybody else should be out there rating us. (laughs) And uh, we also got a letter from uh, the aforementioned Holden Atreides about Bill Murray and Garfield, which I thought was kind of interesting. I did not, I did not verify this, but I I, did. It's true. I I intend to at some point. It's true. You did. So apparently, Bill Murray thought that the he 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 asked the guy who played Garfield, or he asked somebody to have the guy who played. Garfield to leave the real Ghostbusters show because he didn't like his voice sounding like Garfield. Oh, the irony. Well, actually, I, um, that I, the way I read it, because <clears throat> I, what the heck was I looking up? I was looking up something else. Oh, I was actually looking for the connection. And so I Googled like uh, uh, Bill Murray, Lorenzo Music connection, and there's a ton of web pages that come up and, and talk about it. But the one story that I came up with, which I think seemed to have come from an interview of Bill Murray, was it was actually a little bit more innocent than that, where Bill Murray was sitting with um, 
uh, not Harold Ramis, but um, who was the like the the director? Was it Harold Ramis that directed the movie? Uh, or no, it was Ivan Ivan Reitman. Right? It was Ivan Reitman. So he's sitting around with Ivan Reitman, and I guess like the group basically owned the real Ghostbusters licensing uh, uh, property, and they obviously owned Ghostbusters and everything. And Bill Murray was like. Man, I, I really like that real Ghostbusters show, but gotta ask you, why doesn't Venkman sound like me? And then from there, like you know, Ivan Reitman made some phone calls, and then the studio got called, and then that was that. So I'd never noticed. Did you ever watch the show and notice that the 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 voice of Venkman changed? Yep, throughout I, the show, I did totally. Yep, I I, wow. I I watched that show routinely. I watched it in syndication. Every day I'd come home from school and it would be on from 3.30 to 4. And yeah, there's only a handful of episodes that features Garfield's voice. And then it goes to uh, somebody else who's got uh, kind of a I, a deeper voice. I preferred uh, the Garfield voice over the deeper voice. but I have never, as far as I know, I've never seen any of the deeper voice ones. I've only seen the Garfield ones. That's crazy because the majority of the episodes feature the deeper voiced Venkman. I wonder if I just never noticed or I blocked it out. It, it, they're similar enough that, like, if you're not paying attention, you might you might let it go. But it's deeper. It's definitely deeper because uh, Lorenzo Music, the guy who does Garfield, he he only does one voice. Right. He does yeah. the Garfield voice, and that's it. So still a little ironic and, yeah. and funny. Fun to speculate. Well, anyways, uh, I would say that at this time, until next time, the danger room is closed. Well, okay then. Ladies and gentlemen, Garfield and friends. We're, we're ready, ready to party. Ready to party, we're ready. I hope you bring lots of spaghetti. Hello, I'm Peter Venkman. Ah, Dr. Peter Venkman. I'm a scientist.